the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Noah, producer Noah, right here on the Pro-America Report. Thank you for joining me. Ed Martin taking some well-deserved time off today, and he asked me to fill in. What am I going to tell Ed? No? Well, I can't do that, because if I tell him no now... He won't have me back on for the additional segments known as Noah Says, where I give my opinions on what's going on in the world and the solutions that I might happen to have for that. But that's neither here nor there. We're going to get right on into it. There's an article on Politico we're going to talk about today. There's also something coming up on my own show across the county that you hear on Right here, The Answer San Diego. I'll be talking about what is the up-and-coming segment for that, as well as the guests for the Pro-America Report today, headed into the weekend. But I wanted to start off with something that I do for Christmas. Yes, the birth of Christ, the birth of our Savior. We celebrate it. Gifts exchanged, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's actually part of the Christmas process. You know, Jesus was indeed given gifts by the wise men. But you can get lost in all of that. And what I mean by that is up until I'd say my late 20s, I used to give gifts to everybody under the sun with good intention. But I mean family and friends and associations, whether they're close or far, I wanted to make sure everybody in my expanded circle was taken care of. Almost to the point where I thought, not that that defined me as a Christian, but it defined me as a good Samaritan, as the worth of my Christian heart, almost that levels of Christianity thing. And when you do Christmas like that, and if you do, there is nothing wrong with that. If you truly focused on the meaning of the season, I'm talking about me personally. If it is 100% about the birth of Christ, and you can celebrate that authentically and honestly with your loved ones and within yourself. That's great. But I found over the years myself, again, up until my late 20s, and then it's progressively gotten a heck of a lot better for me since then. The more gifts you buy, the less of a focus that you can obtain on that true meaning of the birth of Christ. And so what I started focusing, and again, actually taking a step back, not only did I want to buy for everybody, but I wanted to make sure I got a certain amount of gifts. Not that I expected it, but I'm like, hey, I must be doing Christianity right because I have all these people that love me and they're giving me gifts. That's great. Might be great. But that shouldn't even factor into the equation. Again, something that I have noticed as I've gotten older and wiser in my 30s and beyond. So now, in the beyond years, I tend to buy for my close, immediate friends and family. 
and a couple of close associations. And that's it. Because I feel when you do it that way, one, you're saving yourself a heck of a lot of money, which you shouldn't be going and blowing a lot of money on Christmas anyway. And then two, you can really hone in on the authentic message of Christmas, not just for yourself, but those that you celebrate with. My family generally has this attitude as well. And that authentic meaning of the birth of Christ, especially in the just tumultuous times that we live in right now, which is no matter, I don't care what side of the aisle you are on, we're in pretty dire straits here in America at the moment. But you can focus on Christ, which we all need to reflect on more now than ever. And that can strengthen our prayer life and our relationship with God. So this Christmas, it's just a challenge to you. Buy for half the people that you normally buy for. Buy for a third. See if that changes how you authentically celebrate Christmas. For me, it has made the world of difference. I just wanted to share that. Coming up on the Pro-America Report today, we are going to have a great show. Ed loves Red-Pilled America. He, he loves that show. He talks about it all the time, and they're doing a segment on China that I think you need to hear. So he's going to be replaying that as well as, and again, you can go to redpilledamerica.com. That's redpilledamerica.com. Mark Schneider going to be joining us as well a little bit later on in the program. So stay tuned for that. We have a tremendous show headed into the weekend right here on the Pro-America Report. A couple of things to get to before I leave and hand it off to the one and only Ed Martin. Go to politico.com. A new article has dropped. New January 6th subpoenas target Trump associates and rally planners. And that should send chills down everybody's spine. If you've noticed since this whole January 6th commission has been established, there is one thing I have noticed. I want to see if you agree with me. You can email Ed, let him know, and he'll let me know. They keep casting the net wider and wider and wider when it comes to January 6th with these subpoenas and throwing people in jail. Where does it end? That's my question for you. It's my honest question. Where does it end? Because until it said, hey, no more. Until the Republicans that are supposed to be fighting for us say no more. How far does it go? And I'm obviously exaggerating. But if this is allowed to continue, I would be pleasantly surprised if they just didn't flat out say, okay, if you voted for Trump, we're going to subpoena you because you're the problem. That's what I see going on here. Enough is enough. Have you asked yourself that question? When is enough enough? Contact your representatives in Congress. Let them know. Stand up for America, man. Again, on Politico, new January 6th subpoenas target Trump associates, rally planners. That's uncalled for. This is so being blown out of proportion and they know it, but they're not being checked at the door. 
Last thing I want to focus on right here in the last couple of minutes on the Pro-America Report. As we head into this weekend, we've talked about who's coming up. Red-Pilled America has a great segment on China, as well as Mark Schneider. We've talked about the January 6th political uh, nonsense by the January 6th commission. You can get that at Politico once again. I have a show on The Answer San Diego as well. It's on the weekends. It's called Across the County. It's a community affairs show. And sometimes we focus on local issues. Sometimes we focus on national issues and bring it always back to Southern California. I'm a huge lover of nonprofits and authors, just like Ed. And on my show this weekend, I talked to the one, I talked to the only, you might not know the name, but you know what he's done, Joe Camp. Go to JoeCamp.info or TheSoulOfAHorse.com because there you're going to find so many things, including the fact that he is the creator. Yes, the creator of Benji, that beloved dog from our childhood that we all know and we all love. Hollywood told him no. Hollywood told him it was never going to happen. So you know what he did? He did it God's way. His actions, God's way. You're going to find out a lot about that in his book, which we talk about. We actually re-bring it up because this is not my first chat with Joe. But it's some things that we all should take into focus as we live our lives. It's in his book, God Only Knows, Can You Trust Him With the Secret? And the answer is yes. And it greatly impacted how he actually made Benji a reality. We're talking about that on the show. We're talking about how he raises horses and how it actually focuses on liberty. There's a connection between humans and horses and how they like being treated. And he raises horses, and it's a fascinating story. And you're going to love the show. Joe Camp, my guest, this weekend's Across the County. Again, go to JoeCamp.info, thesoulofahorse.com. I'm Noah, producer Noah, right here on the Pro-America Report. We have a lot coming up for you on the show today. Ed Martin going to be back for the rest of the show. And then next week at the beginning show with The Wink, what you need to know. Go to ProAmericaReport.com. Red Pilled America is around the corner, followed by Mark Schneider. I'm producer Noah. Have a great weekend, everybody. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, one of my favorite podcasts. And I, I was uh, gratified, I don't know, a year or so ago, uh, they took up uh, the late Phyllis Schlafly, her life, and Red Pilled America, if it's what I'm talking about. Go to redpilledamerica.com. Uh, Patrick Caralci and his wife, Adriana Cortez, uh, founded this. They do great work, and I, I, I track them. I listen to them. I don't listen to every segment, I guess, but I listen to a lot of them. But I saw one, and I've now listened to it, called Awoken, about a week ago, and it's What Should America Learn from Chinese Capitalism? And uh, I saw that. I thought, that's one more and more we're facing. So let's catch up with Patrick. Patrick, how are you? Welcome back to the program. How are things? Really good. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's great to have you. It's great to see your success and be encouraged. Again, redpilledamerica.com. You can find them everywhere podcasts are posted to. So, uh, I, Patrick, I want to ask you inside this one a question because I noticed that you had some great conversation, uh, I guess, um, uh, previously with Greg Autry, a great writer that we have, we've known for a long time who uh, wrote a book with Peter Navarra, and then also Curtis Ellis, who's since deceased. So is that, do you, do you as a matter of art, 
Uh, you know, do you mine your old stuff like that? Because it was very effective to this. This piece, this was on China. And you were talking about, you know, the the um, the um, book Feeding the Dragon. And you went back and got that. Is that a common thing in, in podcasting? It worked very well. You know, I, I try not to do that. We try not to do that too much. Um, but in this case, it made a lot of sense because we spoke to Chris Fenton. Uh, he's a you know, Hollywood producer. He's kind of known as the pioneer to opening up the Chinese market to Hollywood films. And he, yeah. uh, he wrote a book called Feeding the Dragon. And um, he, we, taught, we, we learned about his kind of awakening. And you, you hear it through the show. Um, he has this yeah. awakening of it. He's working directly with the Chinese uh, uh, government uh, on how to basically get these films in there because there's so many censorship kind of uh, hurdles that you have to go through. And so when we heard his story and about, you know, basically how, how China first started opening its market to uh, the United States, we had to we had to go back to this these interviews that we had with uh, Curtis Ellis and Greg Autry. And it just it made sense and kind of told the whole story of really, um, you know, America's uh, philosophy that kind of opened us up to to China and also kind of, you know, offshored all of our manufacturing and and, uh, and, and what have you. So it, it made sense to do it in this case. I think it made the, the episode more powerful. Yeah, it, wor- it worked is my point. You're right. I, I mean, it worked. And again, we're talking about uh, an episode 109, Awoken, it's called. What should America learn from Chinese capitalism? Uh, again, redpilledamerica.com. We're talking with one of the founders, uh, Patrick Carlci, his, his wife, uh, Adriana Cortez, also. Um, so to this segment, when I read about this, can Chris Fenton, who wrote this book and exposed all this, can he actually work in the field anymore? Or does he have to be retired? You know, that's a good question. He's pretty measured about how he talks about this stuff, but the Chinese market is so, uh, the Chinese government is so um, uh, strict when it comes to this kind of thing. You know, we, we talk yeah. about this in the story, but in 2000, excuse me, 1997, there was this moment in Hollywood where Hollywood wasn't even, you know, thinking about China at all in regards to selling its movies out there. And there was this moment in, uh, in 1997 where Hollywood produced these three films that had very sensitive Chinese uh, uh, themes to them. And the Chinese, this was the kind of the shot heard around the, around the world in Hollywood where China basically said, if you ever make films like these again, you will be cut off from our market forever. And at that time, uh, China had 1.2 billion uh, people. And so Hollywood got this, got the message. And, but what happened at right. that time is that several of the filmmakers uh, Richard Gere, for example, basically got banned from China forever. That's why you kind of don't see Richard Gere in a lot of big blockbuster movies where there's no shortage of, you know, 60 plus year old people in blockbuster movies. But but you don't see Richard Gere, who was one time an A-lister um, in uh, in Hollywood, yeah. a huge A-lister, the A-lister of, of A-listers. And so he his, his career kind of fell off from that. Now he does a lot of independent films. But you kind of see through this through this moment that uh, how the strength of China and how they're able to use their market to not only, you know, kind of uh, become rich off American, uh, do- off the American dollar, but also control the messaging uh, out globally. And they're able to tell other countries, if you do or say anything within your films that go against what we're trying to do here as a country, you will be banned forever. So to get to get to your question, question Chris, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he's at that in a, in a kind of like a high profile position to where 
you know, like a Richard Gere or or a, or a Brad Pitt or, or what have you, that, to where they need to have that kind of retaliation. But um, it's definitely something I'm sure he's I'm sure he's thinking about it. It's uh, and again we're talking with uh, Patrick Crouchy, uh, the founder and the host and the producer and the creative guy with his wife Adriana Cortez of Red Pill America. Go to redpillamerica dot com or search for any of the places of podcast. Um, does you know for me, I started to see this and I thought, okay, this is what I like about what you do, Patrick, because it's inside. Hollywood, as opposed to what we definitely saw was like the NBA, right? When when uh, Morley, I forget his first name now. He's the um, the the um, general the, manager the, of the Philadelphia. The manager of the, yes, Rockets. Yes, it, he was the Rockets. Now he's over in Philadelphia. But he he said something. They they made him pull it back. LeBron basically said, you know, leave us alone. We don't want to think about it. Shut up and dribble or whatever on that issue, not on everything else. Um, so is Hollywood. I mean, it sounds like it's actually worse there. The Chinese money is so, but like, why isn't, um, in your estimation, why isn't like Netflix and all these companies that are making so much money, why do they have to rely on the Chinese money too? Well, uh, in the in the year 2000, about uh, the <clears throat> international box office for the first time uh, outperformed the American box office. And just to give you a little bit of a feel for it, when we wrote this piece a couple weeks ago, the top four movies in the world, um, out of the top four movies, three of them were Chinese uh, movies. Um, and they were only sold within the Chinese market. They didn't even have an international audience. That's how powerful that market is. Today, today Hollywood has, I think, 27% of our, of our box office comes from the United States. The rest comes from international markets. So I think that is why they, some of, there's so much kowtowing happening to China. But there is a big change happening right now. I think there is a shift happening. You're seeing it, some of it in the NBA. And uh, China is also refusing to allow some of Hollywood movies into their country. So you're starting to see some hesitance now from Hollywood uh, to kind of kowtow to them. Uh, you, you'll start to see this. This is one of these issues that it should bring the right and the left together. We basically just uh, – a, a, a virus was just unleashed on our country. We have supply right. chain issues. It all came from China. This should be one of these issues that we all come together with and just really push back on that country. And we're starting to see glimpses of that now. Uh, we're talking again with uh, Patrick Caralci, who is uh, one of the founders and creative minds behind uh, Red Pill America, uh, redpilledamerica.com. Um, but having said that, you, what you just said, w- you know, we love the stuff. We love our stuff. We love our movies. We love our, um, you know, and most Americans don't realize, or at least they didn't. This is one of the things I think Trump doesn't get enough credit for. He did change the way people perceive China. But we, we love being able to buy a 1499 chair to watch our kids play soccer. We love watching these massive Marvel movies. I mean, Americans do writ large. And most people don't really um, check in on how it's played out. They don't really notice that Red Dawn was going to be redone with Chinese uh, soldiers and they made him into North Koreans or whatever it was. I mean, I, you know, so when you do a, a, a show like this, and again, we're talking about a um, podcast called Awoken, What Should America Learn from Chinese Capitalism? Episode 109 it was from about a week and a half ago. When you do something like this, do you get the reaction that matches what you feel is the energy of the moment? I think we do. I mean, I, I, our whole uh, philosophy of this show is really that's the power of storytelling to kind of move culture. And so we produce this show with that in mind. Hollywood and the left completely understand this. This is why they have, over the 
course of the last 40 or 50 years monopolize storytelling because they understand that it shifts cultural opinions towards their causes. So that's why we do a sh- why we do our show and why we are you know uh, kind of evangelists for others to to kind of create this kind of content, whether it be filmmaking, whether it be fiction novels, whether whether it be podcasts like ours, music, art, what have you. These are the things that shift people's minds towards cultural movements. And so you know, I, I think at the end of the day, the more we produce things like this, and the more because stories are the things that kind of stick in people's minds. It's how human beings retain information is through stories. So I think the more that we tell these kinds of stories, the more we're going to start to awaken people uh, to these issues. And I, it's it's so obvious, with, especially with a, a place like China, what America needs to do. We need to bring back uh, you know our our manufacturing. We need to to look at these people. We need to basically look at. Capitalism, patriotism needs to come before capitalism. And I think, you know, we're seeing a glimpse of that now. At the end of the day, we might have, you might be able to buy a $14.99 chair, but the, the, right. the, the flip side is that now is that we have all of these supply chain issues. We're gonna, we had to basically influx the government, excuse me, the economy with tons of money. So now we're having inflation. So that $14.99 chair is not $14.99. It's, we're, we're starting to see kind of, you know, right. what these policies have done to the United States over the course of the last 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, the trick is, I mean, I agree with you, and that's why I think it's powerful, is to tell in the story so people understand it, so they can uh, they can adjust how they think about it. They th- Instead of thinking, oh, that's cheap, they say, yeah, that's not right. So it's a heck of a, as you point out, a heck of a challenge. All right, I've got to run. Also, I'll put up on social media, Patrick Karalchi is up on his Twitter feed, which is at Karalchi, uh, also redpilled, at redpilled underscore USA, and uh, uh, Adriana's too. I'll put it all up on social media. Thank you, Patrick, for the time. As always, this segment is, the podcast is Awoken. I recommend it. What should America learn from China? Chinese capitalism, Red Pilled America. Go to redpilledamerica.com and see more. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you so much, Ed. I really appreciate it. All right. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. It's uh, Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Haven't checked in on the radio with my old friend Mark Schneider, uh, at SubSchneider on uh, Twitter. He is the father of six children, and... Uh, his wife is long suffering, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but he is—I'd fa- say—he was famous, is famous for having been one of the leaders in breaking the spell of America on the use of nuclear power, and it's just generally accepted. Joe Biden's administration has been pushing it, and we'll get to that in a moment. But Mark, you also uh, have been a phenomenon on Twitter because you went on a health kick. So tell us that story because it's pretty inspirational. Yeah. Um, so January 1st, I looked in the mirror and I said, I don't like the way I look. I weigh 254 pounds and um, I literally, you know, thought, you know, <laughs> wasn't able to keep my breath when I you know, tied my shoes. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to start with running one mile a day. That was my trick. And um, I'm down over 60 pounds. And I mean, now I'm you know, getting ready to run 10 miles a Saturday, actually. So it's been awesome. Wow. It, and uh, you um, diet change, too? Yeah. So, I mean, I changed my diet. Uh, I went lower carb. I don't like saying no carb because I think that that doesn't work. But I, I just learned kind of, you know, tricks to moderate. You know, I don't keep snacks that are bad for me in the house. Um, you know, I just think about what I eat and, uh, you know, exercise, drink lots of water. I cut alcohol out of my uh, life because I think that... Uh, that uh, had a lot of other negative consequences. And it's just been uh, an amazing thing uh, as far as, you know, 
changing my whole personality and who I am. Huh. Wow. Well, it's it's inspirational on your Twitter feed when you write about that. So uh, uh, very cool. All right. Now, I, w- I thought it was good to get you on this week because all the nitwits are gathered in Glasgow, Scotland, uh, except for Russia and China, who do tons of polluting, too. And they're talking, c- congratulating each other on climate change. Is there anybody there talking about nuclear? Um, there are some people that are talking about nuclear, and it's uh, it's the country's uh, that really do understand what is necessary to uh, decarbonize their energy. It's countries like Romania. It's countries like Poland, France, uh, the United Kingdom. Uh, they really are. But then you have Angela Merkel coming over there, and you know they're getting ready to shut down half of their nuclear plants um, on the 31st of, of December of this year, and the other half will be shut down uh, on December 31st of 2022, which will cause a spike in their carbon emissions. It's funny that Russia and China didn't show up because they're the two biggest producers of new nuclear power. China just announced that they're going to build 150 new large-scale nuclear reactors, which we got this $1.75 trillion infrastructure bill. For a trillion dollars, we could easily build 100 nuclear reactors and basically solve our energy crisis in the United States. And we'd have a modern you know, nuclear fleet, and we'd be competitive on the world stage. Oil we would be, you know, freed up for all sorts of other things, um, and it would just, you know, it would be an amazing thing if the U.S. would, you know, have leadership that would say, "Hey, we're going to build a hundred reactors." Well, and we're talking with Mark Schneider, and again at uh, at Sub Schneider on Twitter, you can follow him there. He's got a, a great Twitter feed and uh, a lot on uh, uh, Gen Four nuclear and other stuff there. But but so Mark, so let's. I, I was congratulating you, but you're correcting me, I guess. It certainly is true that most people realize that nuclear power is really the only way to solve things uh, uh, going forward. But it doesn't mean that they're doing enough. And that's your point, right? I mean, we even Trump was for it, but didn't do too much. Biden doesn't seem to be against it. But your your argument is he's not that no one's really leading uh, dramatically on this. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it is. Is that, I mean, no, we I, I think that the narrative has changed where people are now accepting that if we want to solve the, the carbon emission crisis, um, then we have to use nuclear. There, there is no other way to get there. Right. When solar won't do it. And I think right. we have. The people behind it, or the, you know, the population is okay with it now. But now we just have to, you know, put forth, you know, put our money where our mouth is. And that's where the problem right. is. There, there are no, you know, new nuclear reactors under construction outside of the ones that started under the Bush administration. And that's the second Bush, fortunately. But, I mean, that's, yeah. that's where we are. There's nothing, I mean, and there's first one set to go online, I believe, late this year, early next year. But, you know, everyone's saying, well, these are delayed, these are delayed. Well, yeah, because we haven't built these things in decades. So we have to get our industrial base up. And once we get it up, we can rapidly build these things. We've done it in the past. We know we can do it with things like aircraft carriers and subways that are nuclear-powered. So we have to get the experience base up. We're getting, frankly, getting our butts kicked by China and Russia that are in full-blown production mode. Uh, we're talking with Mark Schneider at Sub Schneider on Twitter. Um, Mark, um, why uh, Elon Musk and uh, and Bezos, for all their um, interest in going to space, 
a lot of their stuff has been collaborative with the federal government, which means the feds have paid a lot of it. I mean, they've, they've, they've incentivized it by helping, helping uh, pay for it. There's nothing like that in nuclear, right? I mean, there's no Elon Musk doing nuclear, is there? I mean, there's no Bill Gates doing nuclear at this point, right? Who's saying, hey, I'll go and do this. I'll go convince the community, put these up if the government will help even just, you know, like these tax credits or something. There's none of that happening is, at this point, right? No, there, there really isn't. I mean, the closest thing to what's happening is, is that Rick Perry, when he was Secretary of Energy, uh, did a, uh, a loan uh, to a federal loan to uh, Southern Energy to complete the uh, units at Vogel's unit, or Vogel unit three and four, the two reactors that are under construction. But that's the best the federal government really does when it comes to nuclear. Our small scale will give a you know small scale for the federal government a few million dollars there, a few million dollars here. But you know we're talking. You want to build a nuclear reactor, a large scale reactor is going to take ten billion dollars. And there's no program out there going, we're going to inject $10 billion into this program, you know, so that we can start yeah. it. I know that people, a lot of people are against subsidies, like, you know, the, the, or the uh, renewables get $7 billion a year in subsidies. Nuclear gets zero subsidies. And a lot of people don't understand that is that they get almost no subsidies from the federal government. And it, if we did some kind of subsidies, we could actually progress and work forward. Yeah. Um, so, Mark, are you uh, optimistic? I mean, you must have. You, you, I, I, I'll say it like this. There was a period of a year or two where you were you, uh, Mark Schneider, were and maybe two others were leading the country in the conversation. And it looked like, man, we were broken, breaking through. And it doesn't feel like we've moved much further. It was almost like you did. You got 50 yards and now you're still at the 50 yard line. Right. Are you optimistic? Are you is there a dynamic that you see that's going to change and make it make it move faster or work better? Or are you you know, are you pessimistic? So I am very optimistic. And uh, the big thing that I have seen recently is the embrace uh, of the crypto community to nuclear. So they are the crypto community is all about using clean energy, but they also want reliable energy and they are pushing hard for nuclear. There's uh, a plant in Pennsylvania, a nuclear plant in Pennsylvania, one in Ohio that have signed deals with crypto companies to start crypto mining uh, using their energy. And then uh, there was a big uh, announcement between a company called Oklo that they're building advanced reactor. They have an advanced reactor that they're going to start building in 2023 when their license is approved that will right. allow uh, – they, they have a, like it's enough for like 200 of their units. Now, their units are small, but if you can factory build these things. So I am optimistic, but we're just in this – you know, best way to describe it, if you're going to use a football term – we took a timeout right now so that we can kind of assess, you know, we're on the 50 yard line. It's first and 10. We took a timeout because we got to, we got to center ourselves with a game plan. And I think that's where right. we are is we're just in kind of a timeout right now to kind of center ourselves huh. and then we can push forward. But right now in the U S there's no push to build anything advanced or anything, you know, new, and so there's nothing injecting in there. There's no, you know, let's make a play. Everyone's kind of like, you know, him and hawing over what the next step is. And I think there's groups that are kind of arguing over what's the next step. And I'm a guy that says, let's just do something. You know what? We've got Turkey yeah. Point down, in, uh, down outside of Miami. It's licensed to build two AP-1000. Let's inject $10 billion into that and allow uh, Florida Power and Light 
to start building two nuclear reactors down there. Let's inject right. you know ten billion dollars into Dominion Energy to finish the VC Summer project, and now we'd have four more reactors that are that are being built, and we've, we're making some kind of progress. And the thing is, it's yeah. momentum. Once you have momentum, right. we can keep pushing forward. All right. Well, speaking for momentum, I got to run, unfortunately. Mark Schneider, thank you, as always, at SubSchneider on Twitter. Uh, the guy's really good on this, and I'm glad to get an update, and I'm uh, sorry they didn't invite you to Glasgow, so uh, those those fools. But uh, I got to run. We'll take, a, we'll take a break, everybody, and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. A handful of pompous bureaucrats is causing job losses nationwide through vaccine mandates. Even the football coach of the Washington State Cougars was fired because he declined to take the COVID vaccine by a specific deadline. Washington State Governor Jay Inslee, a Democrat who unsuccessfully ran for president on the ridiculous platform of climate change, climate change, climate change. Inslee demanded that all state employees receive the COVID vaccine or be fired. Supposedly, some limited exemptions were to be made available, but the football coach's request for one was rejected. Police officers of Seattle are waving Gadsden flags from their official vehicles in protest of the vaccine mandate. The coiled rattlesnake against a yellow background, often featuring the phrase, don't tread on me, is recognizable to Americans as a symbol of the resistance for the cause of freedom, dating back to the Revolutionary War. Forcing the COVID vaccine on unwilling Americans has become the new intolerable act. The only difference is that the colonists were subjected to British rule, while Americans are supposed to be under the protection of our U.S. Constitution. Such havoc is wrought by the socialist mindset of public health. Not only does socialist health care trample on the rights of individuals, but it also is ineffective. The United States has not done any better against COVID than the rest of the world, despite our arbitrary requirements of vaccination right here in America. In the socialist mindset, the exact opposite should be happening. Vaccine mandates should be making us the most COVID-free nation in the world. Yet again, socialist dogma fails to deliver. We could argue for a week about whether or not the vaccine is effective, safe enough, and so on. But at the end of the day, forcing the American people to do things they don't want to do is not going to work. Trying to give it away for free didn't seem to work that well either. Trying to pay people to do it didn't work well either. If you think people should take the vaccine, feel free to make your case. This is America, after all. You can say your piece. You can persuade your neighbors. However, no one should have the right to weaponize the government to force a vaccine on unwilling citizens. That's where your rights end and the rights of others begin. Thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. You'll be glad to know the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly continues. Upheld by Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Chairman Helen Marie Taylor, Treasurer John Schlafly, a full staff in St. Louis in our nation's capital, and thousands of citizen volunteers, her eagles, across the country. You can be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Well, if you're like my kids, you don't want to hear any talk of uh, Christmas this early. My kids have a, 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 an, an informal rule that they don't want to hear Christmas music until 
after Thanksgiving, but they don't even want to talk about Christmas stuff like shopping and all until December turns, no matter what. So this is their rule. I don't know why my kids decide to have this rule, but that's uh, where they are. So, But I'm breaking that rule. I'm breaking that rule right now because I want to tell you about a very cool opportunity if you go to uh, phyllisschlafly.com, I'll put it up on social media. There's a link there, and there we have a Christmas sale going on. Now, what's very cool about Phyllis Schlafly, the late Phyllis Schlafly, I mean, not just very cool about her. She was an amazing lady, but what is amazing, one of the amazing things about her is she was an incredible writer. And so we have already published volume after volume of her books. We call them Phyllis Schlafly Speaks. And you go on, on patents, on pro-life, on Donald Trump, uh, all there. And again, you go to this website, you can follow this. Also, there's um, the first reader, very popular. Phyllis Schlafly wrote a reading manual for children to read back in the day, I don't know, about 15, 20 years ago. It's very popular these days. It's called The First Reader, and there's a First Reader workbook. Uh, you can find that there. You can also, there's tote bags, Phyllis uh, Schlafly tote bags, leather uh, pad, pad folio. We actually have a copy. Uh, the other day, you may remember, I appeared on Larry Elder's um, uh, radio show. And in the midst of all the different kind of appearances I made, I have acquired over the years some of the key books of folks uh, like Larry Elder. His book is A Lot Like Me, at tw- uh, out in 2018 in paperback, about his relationship with his father. Phenomenal book. You buy that there. We've got some uh, uh, David Horowitz books, autographed uh, books that are around. We also have uh, Brian Kilmeade, uh, his book on uh, Thomas Jefferson and the Tripoli Pilots. Pilots. Pirates. If you uh, are upset they took down Thomas Jefferson's uh, a statue up in New York City. Here's a chance. This is a great history. Anyway, all of this is at this website. You can go there and check it out. Lots of books, including my uh, my uh, comic, excuse me, coloring books. Can't trump this Kofefe. There's a Christmas version. Uh, the most, the, the best book I can recommend. Really important for you to read is Phyllis Schlafly's book, A Choice, Not an Echo, which she updated in 2014. It was a, a runaway, uh, multi-sold, I think, almost 2.5 million copies in 1964. Well, all those years later, uh, um, 50 years later, she published an updated version, and it gives you the best description of what's going on behind the scenes in the Republican Party and why it's so important to do that. So check it out. If you go, there's lots of gifts. About, oh, I, I meant to mention, there's also called the Turbo Reader. Phyllis, when she did the uh, first reader, she then did a, a Turbo Reader, which allowed people to uh, uh, a different level of reading you can get there. So another favorite of mine is Who Killed the American Family? Uh, extraordinary book written in 2014. You should get that. And then one last one I'll finish on. It's called The Supremacist. And it's uh, Phyllis writing about the importance, the tyranny of judges and how to stop it, the importance of the fight over judges. So a lot there. If you go again for Christmas, all these books, there's no supply chain problems. <laughs> there's no issues. You can sign uh, buy these books now. We'll get them to you in just a few days. You'll get them for Christmas. And there really is something for everybody. If you have somebody that loves the pro-life movement, there's really nothing like uh, volume three of Phyllis Schlafly Speaks. It's called its subtitle is How the Republican Party Became Pro-Life, and it marches through how Phyllis Schlafly was able uh, to um, shape 
the platform of the Republican Party. It's an extraordinary history. It's got a description of, uh, of, of tactics to get it done. It's got description of the people that were against it. It's really great. Um, another book, by the way, that I recommend uh, to you is uh, if you have somebody who is a young person who's interested in being a speaker uh, and uh, speaking professionally, we put together, in fact, Phyllis picked this out before she died. The very first volume of her uh, writings is called Phyllis Shafley Speaks, Volume 1, Her Favorite Speeches. She pulled out a set of her favorite speeches, and we published them. And they're on every subject. They're on the military. They're on life issues. They're on patents. They're on the, uh, the um, economy uh, education. Uh, one of her favorite topics, of course, the Constitution. She writes on that uh, in there. So that's a great one. And I, I've actually given that book uh, quite a few times to young people, our collegians uh, or someone that I know that just is interested in politics and policy uh, to show um, she Phyllis Schlafly was a writer her whole life. And she attributed the fact that she could write uh, that she wrote well and worked hard at it to helping her think clearly. You, you cannot be a loose thinker if you're writing all the time. You cannot. You just can't do it. And so she attributed that. And she wrote an extraordinary amount uh, in her long life. In fact, if you go to phyllisschlafly.com, you can see the button for the, uh, for the sale. But also, I'd recommend that you go there and you can look at her Phyllis Schlafly reports. Uh, she wrote so many um, essays, so many columns, and so many uh, reports. They called her PS reports. It was a monthly report. I- I- incredible uh, discipline, incredible cl- uh, clarity. And as I often tell people, I can go back and look over the 50-year period where she was writing so frequently. I can go back and look, and I can track down almost any topic, uh, anything that was you know in the news she had written about uh, in some way. And her take is almost always... Uh, not just, it's not that it's unique. She didn't do things just to make it different, but it was, um, she had a way of seeing things uh, that was different than most people. And so you could go and figure that out. So phyllisschlafly.com to find out more and uh, you want to sign on and you want to uh, pick up some gifts. And by the way, the proceeds go, of course, to our work, uh, the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. So it supports us there. All right. So there's some Christmas gifts. If you need a gift to thank uh, Noah Dingley, our great producer, you can go there or Joanna Spilger, our great uh, assistant producer who helps book these guests. Go there and get them a gift. You can do it there. So uh, more of that on social media. Thank you for listening. We will be back uh, tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.